Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hello, friends. Jack, Flight School O'Brien here, uh, also known as Jack. Still can touch Ned if I get a running start and haven't eaten heavy breakfast. O'Brien, uh, both nicknames that I go by. Inviting you to check out Miles and Jack got mad boosties for a weekly basketball conversation with me and my co-host from the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray. We are joined by comedians, writers, podcasters, and fellow NBA fans as we discuss the latest news and events from around the league. Check it out. Miles and Jack got mad boosties. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Welcome, everyone. This is View from the Raptors. Let's get a crack it. Presented by Flex Car. Let's go. Season four. Do you remember discussions? Let's talk a little basketball here. Yes. Who told you? Brother, brother, brother. He's going to make the right play. I like winning. Are you rubbing that in? Yeah, I am. <laughs> it was a damn parade around there. It's a brotherhood. That's how you're going to be able to be successful. You know, there's no culture like the Boston Celtics culture. What's up, everyone? This is Mark D'Amico. I just want to say thank you for giving us a listen or a watch. And please do not forget to rate, subscribe, or review us. We appreciate you giving us a listen. And here's the next episode of View from the Rafters, behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics, presented by Flexcar. This is the season finale of View from the Rafters. Yeah, it's big time. You're big time, Sam. We we chose you for the season finale. Um, It's been a pretty good season. It has been a pretty good season. And we got to pick up this one right where we left off last year when we had an event right here at Encore, and that was with your good bus one friend, Blake Griffin. Yeah, Blake is no longer (laughs) with us in Boston, at least. Let's not take that too far. But um, bus one, what's it like this year? Is it different without the Blake man? Yeah, you know, uh, it's a a different type of vibe. You know, we got a lot of different guys, new faces, but uh, the core group of Luke and I has, you know, stayed strong and have covered for Blake's absence, so that's good. What have you carried on to the the new guys? Just energy, enthusiasm. (laughs) Humor. uh, Humor. That's mainly Luke's category right there. Oh, come on, Sam. Don't sell yourself short. I play off of Luke. Once he gets going, he gets me going, so... (laughs) Yeah. He also wore in New York the first time I saw the Bus One Boys merch. Oh yeah. He, he said did. it was coming last year, and like he now we're finally back. seeing it. I think we, I think we got those sweatshirts in like the Eastern Conference semis last year. Oh, it, man. it was late to it's the party, but it's out. all good. Like <laughs> it's a good sweatshirt that we'll keep that one for a long time. Yeah. Abby, well, we got to make you, it available to the public. Yes. Because I think people would really. So we get did. Who, it. Raise your hand if you would buy Bus One <laughs> merch. Yeah. Exactly. See. So 
You need to talk to Allison then, because she's the one mm. I think who had it all set up. Okay. We just received them. <laughs> and yeah. wore them yeah. proudly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You're not the only one up here that's had bus one experience, though, Abby. A few weeks she's ago, been she been on there a couple yeah, times. Yeah, she revealed know, on this podcast. Yes. I will say the last one you were on, we were pretty quiet. It was pretty quiet. Yeah, was, the first one, though, was yeah. electric. <laughs> Electric <laughs> city on bus one. Yeah. I think that was Miami, so maybe that's yeah, why. Well, a little bit. Warm weather brings that out of you sometimes. Everybody. Was that yes. before or after the game? Before. before. Yeah, okay. Bus one, much before. But I will say, I think maybe the reason the last bus one was pretty quiet is because it was three and a half, four and a half hours before the game in New York. Yeah, was, well, I mean, that's kind of typical bus one. What do you one. do that whole time, usually in between? <laughs> well, and why we, do you have to get there that early? Well, because um, if we take bus two, then we'll miss our shooting times. So gotcha. that's not being professional. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we get there, we do our shooting time or get warmed up before our shooting time. Maybe get on the treatment table with our trainer and maybe get a lift in, eat some food. And then honestly, time kind of flies when you're doing yeah. a lot of stuff. So you don't even really notice. And then it's game time before you know it. And when you're hanging out with the Stay Ready crew. Yeah, it's... Always good vibes. You mentioned it's a lot of new faces. How much pride do you guys take in that and the fact that you are able to be ready and perform when your number is called, whenever that is? Yeah, we have this group called the Stay Ready Group, um, and we're usually on like before practice starts for 30 minutes just working on stuff together. And it's usually a simulation of what practice is going to be like, so we're basically practicing before practice starts, and it's... Mm. It's been good ever since the trade deadline to bring up like Xavier and Jaden up to speed and um, keeping guys sharp uh, who don't you know get as many minutes or opportunities on the floor. So when their number is called, they're ready to go. So even though you are now a part of the regular rotation, you're still participating in those workouts? Yeah, um, not as much as last year, but definitely some of the times. Say I don't play as much one night, um, it's nice to get a little extra work in the next day and um, keep my legs fresh. This brings up a great point, though, Abby. I was just going to jump into it. You might maybe next year have to leave bus one. <laughs> like, if, if they ask you to go on Are bus two, what do you happen? even say? <laughs> do you say, so, no, I'm staying on well, bus one? I'm bus one for life? But the thing is, it's determined on when your shooting time is. So, like, the other day in New York, I definitely had the opportunity to go on bus two. And, and you I just said couldn't, no. I couldn't well. get myself to do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't leave my respect. troops. I respect. Can't leave the troops. Yeah. yeah. My comrades. Your career, though, at the point, that's kind of what we're getting at here, is like you're top seven, eight in, a, in the rotation of a, a championship contender, one of the best starts the Celtics have had in any year in their history. You're getting to that point. What has helped your career develop to where we are now? Because you first went undrafted out of college. Um, you were on uh, playing up in Maine. And now here you are shooting the lights out for the Celtics as you guys contend for a championship. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, There's, that's the live element here. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I like it. I like the live audience. <laughs> um, really just trusting the work I put in and uh, believing in myself, having confidence. Um, obviously, you kind of get overlooked, you know, for me, getting undrafted, you kind of get overlooked, but got an opportunity with the Celtics, and I think Brad Stevens saw something in me that maybe a lot of other teams didn't, so I tried to run with that, and Maine was the best thing for me that first year, just to kind of show what I could do and what, how I could help, and um, obviously, the next year, I played a decent amount, and now this year, playing a little bit more, so 
just trying to keep working and, and finding my role and how I can fit in with our just loaded roster of talent. And just it's tough sometimes, but you just kind of get in where you fit in. And that's the part of sacrifice and playing your role and starting your role. You mentioned Brad there, and I've said this to you before, we've had a couple conversations about this, but your first year, I was standing outside the locker room, and you were also standing outside the locker room after a game. It was one of your games, you were up with the team, and you came in, end of game, and you were just like, money. Cashed in a few shots. I don't remember what your shooting numbers were, but it was enough to have Brad come up to you and say, what you just did, coming off the bench cold and immediately drilling shots, he's like, not many people in the world can do that. That's like a real talent to have. At what point did you realize that you had something that not many people who ever touch a basketball can do? I mean, I always knew I could shoot from a younger age. Um, obviously, <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not. I think too. like there's still like another step I can get to even to become yeah. like an elite elite shooter. So, uh, but that's humble. <laughs> I, I think you're up there. So, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, but really, like in practice, uh, me and uh, I, my co coach DJ, and now this year I work with Coach Craig, but uh, we do things like in the middle of the workout, we'll just stop and I go sit down for like a minute or two. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then I'll just run out in the court and they throw it to me wherever and I got to make it. <laughs> so like just trying to simulate coming off the bench after resting a little bit or, and then getting thrown right back into a game. So there's definitely little things you can try to work on to do that type of thing when it's your kind of your role and your mm -hmm. job. So... Because, Sam, how hard is that? I mean, you grew up playing, I would imagine, one of the best guys on your team at probably every level until you got to the later stages of college. And you have the ball in your hands all the time. How hard is it to come in cold, not having touched a ball, out of rhythm, and then to knock down the first shot that is available <laughs> to you? Well, I mean, uh, my job is to be in rhythm no matter what. Um, it's part of the gig. But it is tough. Um, like you said, I mean, every guy on our team was probably that person in high school and college with the ball in their hands a lot, and you can kind of work your or way into a game. Right. But uh, in my situation, I had to learn real quick that that's not the case, and usually when you touch the ball, it's either for a shot or you're going to pass it to the next guy, and that's kind of it right now, which is fine because that's kind of what my role is and how I can help this team win. So, But, I mean, yeah. the Celtics have been looking for a sharpshooter for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> to find it. <laughs> and here <it's> he is. <laughs> through the draft, through the G League, I mean, many different avenues. And what is the key for you to be able to do that? I mean, just kind of back to what I said, just trusting all the work I put in. And there's no reason to, like, have my confidence waver when I know all the hours and shots that I put up throughout my life. Like, it's, it's at this point, second nature. So just trusting that and then not letting it waver even though if I miss 10 in a row which I, I think I've done this year so <laughs> but the next game you know I'll try to come I'm gonna back. have to look that up I don't believe that <laughs> there's been a couple games where it's been bad <laughs> but uh try to bounce back quick that's the beauty of the NBA there's always another game do you remember your high school stats I don't know like percentages uh, percentages come on, <clears throat> I know there was There's a reason why I'm asking you this. Do you know the answer? No, oh, I don't. That's uh, why I'm asking you. Um, what kind of question was that to my question? <laughs> I don't know. I do like, have a reason why I'm asking. I don't know. So you don't remember percentage. Okay. I know it was probably. I mean, I know the one. I, I know one. Your junior year, you shot above fifty percent from three <laughs> in high school. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. So the reason I'm getting at this is because I started digging into your numbers, just you know, doing a little research for what we're doing tonight. <laughs> 
So you do know the answer. Yeah, uh, no, I don't. I don't. No, no. Yeah. Here's here's why. So, not in any of his professional seasons or any of his college seasons has he ever shot below forty percent from three. Never. So what I'm trying to get at here is like, when is the last time you did that? Has it ever happened? Because for a lot of people, that's the mark they're trying to get to, and you've literally been there forever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I have. High school, they start tracking stats. I don't yeah. know what happened before then, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I mean it's that's not nuts. really like it's never really like a. I mean, it's a goal to shoot forty percent or better because that's you know the mark of a really good shooter. But I think it's more of just like how many attempts you can get up, how many good shots you're taking, and it's. I don't know if it's always about the percentage, but if you're taking the right shots, usually it kind of adds mm -hmm. into your percentage being higher. Do you know what your uh, percentage of your overall shots are that come from beyond the arc this season? <laughs> it's what is like eighty-five. I think it's it's higher. Yeah. I think it's eighty-seven <laughs> percent of his shots. Yeah. yeah, but you do have eight dunks. <clears throat> eight, eight dunks this season. Yeah, Some people are calling more. you Slam yeah, Hauser out there. Has anyone called him Slam Hauser? Yeah, we do. Yeah, on yeah. NBC Sports Boston. Yeah, we do. And by the I way, have. you're eight for eight. You haven't missed a dunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need a runway, so it's pretty <laughs> wide open every time. <laughs> Let's not leave the shot, though, because that, you know, that's what you're known for in the league. Um, how did you develop it? Because the arc, I'm sure some of the people out here realize, like, the arc on your shot is unique. It goes a little higher than we see from the, some of the other guys on the team. So when, how did you learn that? And like, when did you start to realize, okay, that's my shot, that's my arc? Yeah, so honestly, like... I never even thought about the arc. It just, <laughs> I think, just kind of that's how I shot it since I was young. Um, but uh, a lot of credit goes to my dad. He, I was, Shout he was a high dad. school coach uh, back in the day, and I was always going to practice, watching, and shooting on the mini hoop on the side and things like that. And uh, he helped me along the way with my shot. And I had a growth spurt in high school where it was shot was looking a little funky, and he <laughs> tuned it up a little bit. So a lot of credit goes to him for just like the foundation of it, and then. Just try to run, run with it from that. What was your favorite shooting game growing up? Favorite shooting game? Uh, I was always a big lightning fan or knockout, Ooh, as some people knockout. call it. Yeah. For a second, I'm, I'm we like, call what it, is we lightning? Call it. <laughs> That's what we <laughs> call it. Do I know what this is? <laughs> well, around the world, I mean, after practice, which is mostly what we get to see, and around the world is happening, but those have kind of, I feel like, died out now, and it's just... Yeah, that was a uh, smarty thing. He kind of okay. rallied troops on that one. We can bring yes. it back, though. It got very competitive. There was a lot of smack yeah, talk in those post-practice yeah. around <laughs> Including some 2008 champs that, that when you guys are yeah. in training camp. Yeah. Did you see that out there? Oh, I, I mean, it's kind yeah. of like must Paul Pierce, TV. Eddie House, right. Sam Cassell. Sam wasn't really in it, but uh, it, it was an I interesting wanna, shootout. You know, I, I didn't want to take their money. No. <laughs> <laughs> they would have no shot. <laughs> Maybe Eddie. Yeah, Maybe yeah, Eddie. He's a shooter. Yeah. He's a shooter. Paul, not so much. <laughs> Sam, you wouldn't be on the floor. I mean, yes, shooting is really important, and obviously you are elite at that, but you wouldn't be on the floor if you weren't doing other things. And really, defensively, how have you been able to develop your game well enough to be able to stay on the floor? Yeah, so you kind of hit it on the head. Offense gets you on the floor. Defense keeps you on the floor. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I get tested a lot in games, as you guys probably see. So um, kind of have to try to... They're like, where is Sam? All right, we're going there. <laughs> yeah. It never yeah. works, though. Yeah. Um, so really just trying to take pride. And um, if they're going to continue to do that, try to make it as hard for them to score as I possibly can. And 
guys are going to make hard shots. The NBA, best players in the world. And it's tough not to hold your head down sometimes because you play really good defense sometimes and they make a shot that you're just like, well, what else could I have done? <laughs> but um, if they're living on shots like that, then it's probably a win for our team. So I'm um, just trying to, yeah, just do that. Do you feel like you are still underrated on that end of the floor? I mean, <laughs> I think I will be underrated my whole career, to be quite honest, just for Why? because of who I am. Because I'm a white <laughs> shooter in the NBA. So. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. Say it. Say it, hey, Sam. He said it. I didn't. Yeah. Joe Mazzula did crack Joe a Mazzula joke about it, though. It so, yeah. um, we had yeah. a couple press conferences where Joe said, I can't talk about why Sam is underrated on defense. And then he said, forget it. It's because he's a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way things go. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's the hard truth. <laughs> <laughs> you said that to me up top. You're like, I mean, it's kind of true. Yeah. It happens. So right? It is what it is. I'm yeah. sure tomorrow night we play Luca and Kyrie. It'll be a lot of, where's Hauser? Oh, bring him up. Yeah. So <laughs> see what happens. I'm, I'm sure you're going you're gonna to hold your weight. Yeah. How much of it, though, do you practice defense? How much of it is film study and just kind of knowing your opponent? Yeah, I think that's the bigger part of it is just uh, playing percentages, knowing your opponent, watching film, trying to take away their, their tendencies, as we call them, and try to make them do something other than what they like to do best. And if we can force them to do that, then they're less efficient, which usually equals better defense for us. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about your other great friend on this team since Blake's not here to talk to us with you. Um, Luke Cornett. I mean, you guys are like best friends. You go back, oh, we got a who in the back. People love Luke Cornett. Yeah. How did this friendship get struck up? I know you guys were both in Maine together, but like, how did it get struck up and why has it carried through so strongly that you guys are so close? Yeah. So obviously uh, we were on the same G League team. Uh, we both got converted to this, uh, converted to a standard contract in the NBA with the Celtics on like the same, or not the same day, but the same week. And, for, the, uh, for the finals run that yeah, year, right? Yeah, we, we, I think we got converted at the trade deadline when we traded a bunch of guys and there were some open spots. And we were, lucky to, for you. we were lucky enough to be the guys called up. So uh, it started in the G League. Um, he's a pretty easygoing guy, easy to talk to, very open. And that's, um, that's true. Keeps everything light keeps it in perspective and that's kind of what I respect most about him is that he's never too high never too low and in our uh, conversations with him he credits yeah. that season in Maine with really kind of helping him to change his perspective and the way he views the game his role in it and, and how he sees himself as an NBA player as a career what yeah. was that group like yeah so he was coming off uh, like a major foot surgery mm -hmm. so he was like you could tell the first couple weeks of training camp in G League he just trying to get his footing back underneath him and um literally even yeah yeah <laughs> no pun intended but <laughs> but uh you could sell like each day he was getting better each game he was getting better and then kind of really show what he can do and how he could help the celtics and um yeah he and he's just a great locker room presence to have you know you, you love to have a guy like that around he can sing too right he can hold the tune pretty well <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. He, he can play the piano too like oh right yeah so you know what he I does even like, better I've he hosts this podcast. Well, Did everyone see the Luke Cornett podcast last? Oh, money, money. We're hoping that might happen again this year, but <laughs> okay, we, we shall see. Rumbling, so. Yeah, that's that's a light tease. We don't know if it's going to happen, yeah, but see. Some, maybe Sam will be on for another episode. I would love to attend. Uh, when I think of Luke Cornett, especially his early years in the league when he was playing with New York, he was like a three-point shooter, like a seven-foot, what is he, seven-two, something like that, yeah, seven-one? Yeah, big. He was shooting threes when he came into the league 
Now he's not shooting any, but I still have to ask, do you guys ever have three-point shootouts to go? I don't ever shoot with him uh, in a three-point Never, point not shootout. even just for fun? I mean, no. Okay, all right. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that, that's a testament to him, though. Like, he has completely transformed his game. Yeah, totally, second, yes. I mean, his first four years, mm-hmm. he was a shooter, stretch five, and now he's a glue guy, protector of the rim, good passer, screener, and doing all the little things that really don't show up on the stat sheets. So I think that's getting to your point of him kind of like acknowledging yeah. from the main staff and the Celtics staff, like, this is what's going to keep you in the league if right. you can do these things. Right. But do you guys ever get on him about the celebrations? <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Uh, I mean, can we do What was it? Was it something like, like that? Dab. Does this one. Yeah. Uh... The butterfly one. <laughs> or do you do you offer him solutions? Other ones? <laughs> no, I, I, like would be possible. It's funny because they're just so random. Like <laughs> you just never know when they're gonna happen. It's and true. All of a sudden he's running on the floor and he's like this. Like <laughs> where'd that come Even from? Even after he hits two free throws. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like uh, I remember the Indiana game this year. We, I think as a team, we'd miss like five in a row, and he went to the line and his, <laughs> free his first yeah. free throw he made, he just starts yelling. <laughs> Yelling, yeah! And he like deadpanned it too. And we're like, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Even the players on the other team were like, what's going on here? I'm like, yeah, I got not what I thought Luke Cornett is. (laughs) And then he hit the second one and didn't. Yeah, and he just, I don't know what he did. Well, because I think everyone got it at that point. Like, oh, he's making fun of the fact that we weren't very good at the free throw line for a while. (laughs) Yeah, but oh, okay, now it makes sense. He keeps it fun and easy. there's not many guys in the league that do that, though. Like, in the middle of a game, like, that's what I used to do in, like, high school because I didn't really care. But, like, <laughs> Luke is doing it in the Luke middle of cares. an NBA game. Yes. You just, I'm not saying that Luke doesn't yeah. care. I'm just saying, like, you don't see people that lighthearted on the court in an NBA game. So how do you guys even keep your composure when he does something <laughs> that crazy? Well, <laughs> it's that's hard. Or you don't, yeah. <laughs> we're definitely, we're on the bench when he does something. We kind of look at each other, we're smirking. And it's, <laughs> we talked to him about it after, but it's hilarious in the moment. Yeah. How important is that for you guys? I mean, you're dealing with really high expectations, a lot of pressure on this group. Is it nice to have someone who can just kind of... 
yeah, I mean, alleviate some of that. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's like I said before, he's the salty of the earth. Uh, level-headed guy, always being appreciative and present in the moment, and that's <laughs> he's just having fun with it at this point. <laughs> that's a good point. way to put it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, can we get you to confirm, if, if Luke does host another episode, will you be on? I... I'll leave that up to the host. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Something tells me he'll want you on. Last year, I'm sure you all just said that you, you listened to it and you saw that Luke actually brought you some cheese from <laughs> one of the nicest cheese stores in all of Boston, all of America, Target. Um, yeah. Sam sat down and he was like, what, did you get this from Target? And he was like, actually, yes. I was just there last night as well. I got this cheese. Yeah. You, I was you, blindfolded. Yes, you were. Yeah, you said... You got them right, too, didn't you? I, I, I don't even remember that. I just remember saying they're from Target. <laughs> Where's the, right. You chewed it. Like, I mean, you're a Wisconsin Target? guy. We should put it into perspective. Huge fan of cheese curds, the, I assume. You kind of right? have to be, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a way of life. Uh, <laughs> but the same cheese platter he, he brought for the show, I've bought that plenty of times. Oh, so you had an Has anyone here seen trap? Sam or you Luke knew. at Target recently? No. Like, you know, we, whenever we have friends or family come, we, like, charcuterie boards are big, so we always make a quick stop. We got to dive in on this, though. Cheese in Wisconsin, and Green Bay in particular. Like, <laughs> why is it such a big deal? And when did you kind of get to the point where you were like, ooh, like, I'm a cheese connoisseur as well. <laughs> I'm following um, in the footsteps of my forefathers. You didn't know this yeah. was coming, did you? No, <laughs> no, I didn't think this was going to, yeah. Yeah, here we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of dairy farms, so that's probably a big culprit of the cheese. Um, got a lot of milk. But uh, when I was young, I, I, like, I really only liked like mozzarella sticks and like cheese curds, <laughs> like deep fried. It's got to be fried. I, like yeah. the, the cold, hard cheese. I just, it's like, yeah, I'm good. But then as I got older, you know, you start. You matured. It's like age like fine wine. Yes. Yeah. Start aging like cheese. <laughs> What's your current favorite? What's your go-to? Ooh. Smoked Gouda. Ooh. Yeah. With Smoked anything Gouda. in particular? We got some I mean, oohs and ahs like in the crowd. You get a little, like, um, I don't, like a little jam or a little honey that yes. you put on it with, a, like, a nice cracker from Ooh. Whole Foods or something like yeah. that. A bit no. of salt. It's Target. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they lack of Don't cheat on Target. All they got is Ritz. There. <laughs> I can't deal with the Ritz. We've gone sideways. Let's get back on track. <laughs> Uh, you're in the middle of a season where you guys are, like we said, competing for a championship. Everyone in this crowd right now, everyone watching and listening, they're hoping for a championship. Um, yes, exactly. What's it been like playing with those expectations on your guys' shoulders? Um, a coach once told me back in the day that pressure is a privilege. So, I mean, I don't think we would want to be in any other spot than we're in right now. So, with that comes a lot of responsibility and, and and outside expectations, but we try to just focus on what our expectations are and what's being said in the locker room. So, who was the coach? Huh? Who was the coach that told you? Oh, uh, it was, uh, man, uh, coach back in the day. I, I forget his name. It was when you were young. You learned yeah. a lesson. Yeah, exactly. And it's carried through well, your Well, the message career. stuck with you, which is yeah, what that's is good, important. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so I mean, it's taking it day by time and treat every day as its own. And that's kind of how we're taking this approach with this final stretch here. How important is the mental piece? Because that's what Joe, I feel like, talks to us a lot about is what, not necessarily the message he's giving you guys, but preaching that, you know, every day it's about being the best that you can be and attacking every day. Mentally, how much of a challenge is that when you're going through the grind of the NBA season, especially when you're really pointed towards the horizon and the playoffs and a long championship run? Yeah, um, 
it's not always easy to uh, stay present in the moment, but we've been trying. Um, obviously, we all have the end goal in our minds, in the back of our heads, and where we want to keep, want to get to. But uh, in training camp, I think Peyton said it in a meeting, and it was just like, let's just try to win every day. And I think that just rings really true with what we're trying to do right now and trying to play our best basketball here at the last stretch so we can peak going into the playoffs. And um, I think we're on the right track right now. How different is this group? I mean, just look at our roster. Yeah. It's just... How about look at the standings? <laughs> yeah, standings. Okay, currently, like... what is it, eight games up in the East? It's nuts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, you, our top six guys, like, one, the, the amount of years combined that they have in the league is yeah. amazing. The amount of points scored between all of them is amazing. The amount of accolades won by all of them is amazing. And um, they're only getting better as a, as a unit. And us other guys, you know, are like the bottom eight guys. We're, you know, we're trying to fit in and be a part of it. And that's one thing you just want to be a part of is a championship team. So, I mean, you try to do it any way you can. In the locker room, what is it like, the dynamic? <laughs> uh, it's great. Now, we got a lot of easygoing guys. Kristaps um, and Drew have been great additions, and Xavier and Jaden as of recently, too. And nobody has too big of an ego, and I think a lot of people have had to sacrifice this year, and it's shown. And that takes, that takes a, a good man to do that. So a lot of us are sacrificing for the bigger thing in mind. We've heard the story about where the sacrifice came from, right? Like we, we publicly at least, where the meeting happened. We're gonna call it the meeting with the top six of like, someone's gonna have to come off the bench. And it was like, everyone was like, I'll do it. Even Jason said, and people were like, no, you're not coming off the bench, Jason. Like, that's a lie, that's a flat out lie. But like that level of sacrifice that we've seen since the very beginning, like how did that impact where you are now, months later, of like seeing at the very beginning that guys like Drew, guys like Kristaps, and by the way, Kristaps is taking, his usage rate is way down from where he was last year or any other year in his career. He's just still managed to be awesome in the shots and the usage rate that he's and getting. And all he does is smile. And yeah, all he does is smile and love these yes. people. Like he loves the energy from yeah. the Celtics fans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that back early in the season, like on that first few days of training camp or whenever it was that that decision was made of who was coming off the bench, and that's Al, um, that level of buy-in, how did that impact where you guys are now? Yeah, I mean, when your top dogs are willing to do something like that, it's just a trickle effect mm -hmm. down to everyone else, and that's inspiring. And um, I mean, did Jason really mean it when he wanted to say he's going to? But I mean, if, if Joe told game, him, I, 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 part of me wishes Joe did say, "Yeah, no. JT, you're coming off the no, bench." No, I'm just messing. <laughs> J, JT is a selfless person, and I don't doubt that he said that. But um, obviously, he's not going to come off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, when you got guys who have, like Drew just came off winning a championship. What is that? Two years two ago years now. Ago, yeah. mm -hmm. And he was just an all-star the year before he got to us. And now, he, you know, he sacrificed minutes, points, you know, everything. Role. Yeah, Role. everything. Um, KP talked about, even Jason and Jalen, like, their scoring numbers are down a little mm -hmm. bit, but it's only helped us, which is, which is pretty cool to see. So when those guys are doing things like that and sacrificing uh, stats and numbers, it's, it's pretty cool and, and inspiring. Mark, you know what I thought when I found out Flexcar was going to be our new sponsor? No, what would you think? I don't know. I don't know what I thought. Neither did I, but then I went and checked it out. And? And it's basically a car subscription, and you choose the mileage package that fits you best, and that's it. Okay, yeah, cool. It, it's, it's honestly pretty cool, and it includes roadside assistance 24-7, 
car insurance and maintenance, it's all included. In one bill? All in one bill. The only thing that is not included is the gas you put in the tank. And on top of that, it's cheaper. It's like 10 to 20% cheaper than buying or leasing a car. And what are you doing right now? I'm finding my next car. All right, well, if you're doing that, make sure you use the code RAFTERS mm. and you'll get 100 free miles when you sign up. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Abby and I spent a lot of time around guys like Eddie House and Paul Pierce and Brian Scalabrini, more than you guys get to like interact with them. But every time we talk to them, they always point back to Rome, when they went out to Rome in training camp, and like that's when it all started. At what point in this year's training camp, because Wick Grosbeck came out after training camp, actually, I think it was during training camp when uh, we introduced Drew, and Wick was like, I've been watching the practices, and it's like at a different level this year, like the level of intensity, the level of concentration. So at what point during that training camp did you realize, like, okay, we've reached another level? I think, like, right away. Really? Honestly, even before training camp, just like just open gyms mm -hmm. a lot of guys came back and played for a couple of weeks leading up to training camp and those games were as competitive as you know they had been in the last couple of years so and then obviously adding a guy like drew who's been there and done that <laughs> the day before camp right yeah. like that's and then that's the, a pretty big addition yeah, yeah and he just you know he sets the bar pretty high and he brings a championship experience so you know you just you live and you learn in, in training camp, and, and it's competitive as can be. I've never been in the locker room, like, as a player, obviously. But does, does that, like, actually matter? Like, a guy who has won a title, you know, we always hear about it. We think, oh, the experience is super helpful. Have you gotten anything from Drew this year, either by him directly saying or doing something, or just indirectly of his championship experience kind of rubbing off on you personally? Yeah, I mean, he's, like... He's a very humble human being, so he doesn't like he doesn't talk about it much unless you're like directly asking yeah. him, which is another great trait. Um, Have you? I've asked, like you know, what was it like? And he just said it's. We had 15 guys with a singular goal in mind, and we were willing to do kind of whatever it takes to get to that point, and they did it. And um, I think. From what we've seen this year, we have the guys, we have the roster to do it. We just have to go and do it by any means possible. Sam, how grueling are playoff runs and long ones? And Oof. even last season, I know, and how disappointing that was, but the seven-game series and, and how intense each game is, what is it like putting your body through that, but then also the mental challenge? Yeah, so, I mean, the last two years, I haven't played very much in the playoffs, so I can't attest to, like, the, the real, like, physical pounding that you take as a player. But I know, like, mentally, even for me, who was, like, I've maybe played like three minutes in this game and not play the next game. Like 
the mental side of it's pretty draining too. Like you're always constantly adjusting on the fly and watching a lot of film, studying analytics, you know, the percentages, and that is just coupled with the physical beating that guys take every single game. And um, it, so I'm probably not the best guy to ask this question, but I'm sure it's very tough. On I do <laughs> think it'll be a different story this season, though. I hope. And I how, hope. Yeah, how are you preparing yourself? Yeah, for I mean, that? I'm just, you know, just uh, trying to make the most of whatever opportunities I get. And I don't know what it's going to look like in the playoffs because the playoffs are a whole different beast than the regular season. And a lot of us might look a lot different. So I don't really know what to expect yet. One of the coolest elements of this season, though, of seeing where you guys are now and talking about the playoffs, is that Joe has spoken to us of it. You know, obviously, he took over in some strange circumstances last year. He didn't really get to prepare before training camp started. He's had a plan this year, right? And within that plan, as we've all seen, we're talking 2-1-2 two, two zone. He's throwing things out there that are, you're testing throughout the regular season, and those are tools that you can stick into the tool belt and possibly pull out at any point in time during the playoffs. You guys just didn't have a lot of that last year, I feel like, and he's said that publicly. He felt that way. Um, How do you think those things are better preparing you this year, number one? And number two, what was your reaction when he started throwing these things in that last year you guys didn't even touch, really? Yeah, I mean, he was kind of thrown into an impossible situation last year, like two days before training camp. He's (laughs) named the head coach, and can't really get his footprint on the organization about how he wants to run things and do things. But this past summer and preseason, he made it a point to really ingrain what he wanted us to be. And he's done a great job and throwing curveballs like a zone, a full court press. Like if you look at teams like, you know, the Miami Heat, they do a good job of switching things mm-hmm. up and they've had a lot of success doing it. And I think we kind of needed a curveball to go to just to just to break the rhythm of a game for maybe like 30 seconds or a minute uh, just to maybe try to shift back momentum. So obviously we tried some things out this year. Some things have Even worked. some lineups have yeah, looked yeah. like, a, like what is he doing? Oh, he's just yeah. like experimenting Crazy. in so real time. Not everything's going to work, but that's kind of why you experiment mm-hmm. throughout the season to figure out kind of what you want to do. How much confidence does that give you going into this postseason? I, I know we're, st- we're not quite there yet, but yeah. – I mean, obviously we got, what is it, 24 games left? Something around there. So there's a lot of fine-tuning that still needs to happen. And Joe is going to do everything in his power to help us be peaking at the right time. And whatever that may be, resting guys, adjustments in the lineups, playing different defenses, playing different offense, whatever it is, he's going to try and figure out what works and what doesn't. What's your favorite thing about Joe Mazzula? <laughs> I think I like his intensity. Like... Uh, we play a lot of games. Doesn't matter though if it's a back-to-back or f- fifth game in seven nights. Like he expects you to show up and play and, and play hard. And even when we're up by 30 and um, guys check in at the end of the game that don't play much, he's he you know he's coaching them like mm-hmm. it's the middle of the fourth quarter and we're and it's a tie game. And, and I really respect that um, about him. That means he really truly cares about one through 17. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty cool thing to you know, be a guy that sometimes is in at the end of the game like that, and you're still being coached. Because yeah. a lot of coaches might just sit down and mail it in like, oh, we won. Yeah. So it's cool. Um, you talk about him kind of throwing curveballs this year. Did you ever play baseball growing up? I did. Could you hit a curveball? <laughs> 
Uh, I didn't play to the age where curveballs were really a thing. Yeah. I stopped in like six or seven. I, I couldn't. So. I couldn't hit a curveball for the I life don't of me. Fastball, I, yeah. don't throw it to me. But curveball, <laughs> all day. Reason I ask is because we have a curveball for you right now. All right. Can you try oh. to hit it? Yeah. Okay. All right. We we have some surprise fan questions that we have had submitted. Right. So you just lean forward and look back at the screen. We're going to fire them up one at a time. Here's the first one. Sam, um, I first of all want to say congrats on the baby. Congrats. Um, what was the moment when you first felt like you had made it? Um, and, you know, like what, what was that? And um, how did you kind of know or feel like you were, you know, you had made it for real? She's in the crowd, too. <laughs> Thank you for shouting. Yes, love it. My wife is doing better. She's feeling better. That's so awesome. about 13 weeks in, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Congrats. Almost through the first try. No, you're way past. Just pass it. Just pass it. All yeah. right. Baby boy. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. You can't wait to see that kid shoot. You guys timed that perfectly. <laughs> I know, right before the season starts. <laughs> love um, that. The moment that I felt like I made it. <laughs> it's a tough one. Like... My first year was, there's a lot of things happening. You know, I was in the G League for the first half of the year. I get called up. You know, I'm just kind of the end of the bench guy, just trying to be a good teammate. And didn't really know if I had what it takes yet. Um, then the next, this last year, played a decent amount. Um, but when we were fully healthy, didn't really play much. So even then, I was just like, well, I don't really know where I fit or stand yet. And I think this year is where, kind of been not like established myself but more consistently in the rotation and playing a lot and um I don't know how you define made it uh, I guess I've been in the league for three years now so I, <laughs> it's pretty cool on its own and I'm just trying to you know put building blocks together every day yeah. was that the goal when you were going through the draft process and then ended up undrafted did you foresee yourself here yeah, I mean, um, I think that's what helped me get here is you got to have a vision. Uh, sometimes, like, manifesting is a very powerful thing. Um, and I've seen guys, like, with in my position before do it. Uh, before, um, Duncan Robinson is a great example. Mm -hmm. Max Struess is a great example. Guys who are undrafted, signed a two-way, worked their way up, and obviously are having great success. So um, just tried to, you know, not model – their path, because every path is different, but take, you know, what I can learn from them. Hey, Max True started here, by the way, just to he be did, clear. Yeah. Yes. That shot we, the we other night was that. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. What was it, 59 feet or something like that mm -hmm. to win the game? Yeah. Can't wait to see you do that. All right, we got another question. <laughs> we know it's in you. <laughs> hey, Sam, my name is Adam, and I was just curious if there was anybody's shooting style that you studied and mimicked at all growing up or even current day. Thank you. That's a good question. Uh, when I was young, not really. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't watch a lot of NBA when I was really what? young. I watched a lot of college he when I was young. He was in okay. the gym. Okay. Yeah, I was hitting buckets, man. Yeah. <laughs> Outside. <laughs> I was too busy getting buckets, yeah. bro. Um, but as I got older, a lot, I like to watch like Clay Thompson in his prime. Um, Chris Middleton has been fun to watch. Um, Joe Harris, who's a, a UVA alum, mm -hmm. so when I went there, it was just kind of natural mm -hmm. watching him a lot. And I don't think I would model my shot after them, but I think I tried to model certain things they did on the court, um, how they were prepping for a pass to come to them, how like what their footwork was like coming off a screen, things like that. So definitely watched and studied them a little bit. With where you are right now, 
it's, you know, you turn this around, there's going to be people who are modeling their shot after you now. Like, how does that feel? That, that's pretty cool. Are you one of those? No. <laughs> my my shot will I never know. get to where your shot is, okay? Uh, Trust me. Ask yeah. Scal about that. <laughs> All right, I will. Um, yeah, I mean, if you put it, like, that's another thing, like, just kind of put it into perspective. Like, if there's a kid out there that's trying to be like me, that's pretty, pretty cool. That's awesome. And I would have yeah. never thought I would be in that position to be a, a role model or idol for someone. So if, I, if you think of it like that, it's pretty, pretty cool. Oh, you've been a role model and, you know, someone who other people are striving to be like, especially these fans. But we have one more yeah. uh, question from someone else who loves to, you know, try to strive to be like you. Hey, Samuel. <laughs> teammate, Luke Cornett. Uh, my question is, other than the Boston Celtics, of course, what was your favorite team that you've played on, and what else do you have to say about the 21-22 main side? <laughs> uh, Surprise! You do. You did. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. I don't know yeah. if you peeped with his Portland Sea Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty nice. Uh, that was also my it's locker. The devil's in the details. <laughs> yeah, also locker. my locker. So. <laughs> he didn't have permission was that to your open hat? the oh. uh, No, no, no. Okay. His hat. <laughs> um, favorite team to play on. Uh, the 21 main Celtics were definitely, <laughs> definitely in the mix. Uh, my last two years of high school, we won the state championship, and those teams were pretty fun. Uh, I got to play with my brother in high school for two years, or those two years specifically. Um, and then the 21 Celtics, obviously, a lot of great memories. We mm -hmm. had me, Luke, um, like Ryan Arcidiacono, Juwan Morgan, who got called up with the Celtics two years ago. Uh, Theo Pinson, you know, a lot of guys who have been in the league. It's, or it's a stacked league. G League yeah. team. Uh, Broderick Thomas, who was a two-way yep. with us. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we, we just had a great squad, and we all just kind of seemed to fit together, and we played together really well and had a lot of success, and that's kind of what led to all of us getting call-ups, which mm -hmm. was pretty cool. That sounds like this year with the Celtics. Everyone gets along. The yeah. team is doing great. We love to see it. Everyone out here loves to see it, right? Yeah. We love to see these guys play this year. Um, Sam, this has been awesome. We appreciate yeah. you doing this. Congrats again on the baby. We Thank can't you. see to see that, or can't wait to see that shooting form on <laughs> yeah. a little baby Hauser. Um, yeah, and thanks see. again to our Celtics faithful. We appreciate you guys for coming out tonight. And uh, Hi. that's a wrap Here on View Mason. from the Raptors season four. Thank, Thank you, everyone. You. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. <laughs>
Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.